Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast, hosted by yours truly, Scott Howell, and the incomparable Bradley Flowers. For agents, by agents, we're here to share real-life experiences, tips, and insights related to all aspects of both being an insurance agent and running a successful agency. So sit back, turn up the volume, and let's get down to business. Insurance agents from around the world, welcome to the Insurance Guys podcast. My name is Scott Howell, your fearless host, insurance agency owner and insurance evangelist for I Protect Insurance and Financial Services based out of Huntsville, Alabama. Guys, our mission on this show is to help insurance agents in any way we can, whether that's in sales, process, digital, technology, you name it. We're going to have guests on this show that are going to help you with your agency. And the one thing you can do for us, if we do provide value for you, subscribe to the show, comment on the show, tell us how awful we are, and then go tell your friends that are in the insurance business to get on this show and listen to it and subscribe themselves. Before we get started, let me introduce the six foot three sophomore from Sarah Land, Alabama. He is a first team All American, rivals five star recruit, a fantastic insurance agent, and better person. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome Bradley Flowers. I'm great, Scott. How are you doing today? Man, I am doing fan super tastic, and I am so excited for today's episode. Guys, we have a very special guest with us today. As you know, in each episode, we try to bring you people of influence in the insurance business. We try to provide value to you to help you with your agency. And we try to find people that we we feel like uh, are doing things a little differently than most. And I would say that, Bradley, today in today's episode, we have probably hit all those marks Guys, I want to introduce from GNN Insurance. They have got probably some of the best insurance-related videos and are doing some of the coolest things that I've seen in the insurance business. And I've spent a whole lot more time learning about them than they have about me. I want to introduce from GNN, Matt Namoli and Zach Gould. Guys, how are you guys doing today? Uh, We're doing great. Thanks for uh, the fantastic introduction. (laughs) Well, you are so welcome. I'm proud to have both of you on here. I cannot tell you how much I appreciate having you on the show. I guess before we get started, I want to kind of reverse engineer uh, the two of you. I find both of you extremely interesting. What I would like to do is, is just like the Discovery Channel studies meerkats, I'd love to spend about two weeks with each (laughs) one of you because I can tell both of you are very interesting individuals. But before we get started, let's talk a little bit. Let's go backwards, maybe from college, and figure out how the two of you got into the insurance business. And then as we go forward, we'll talk a little bit about GNN and some of these videos and stuff that you guys are doing. Sure, sure. I uh, This is Matt here. And yeah. uh, I'd say, Zach, would, would you agree that you've never been introduced or compared to as a meerkat? Uh, <laughs> well, Matt, what I would say is I kind of feel like a little cat because I'm only 5'9", a 6'3 animal. 
it's gonna scare me. But <laughs> thank God, thank God, it's a podcast, and we're not actually in video with them. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I'm five eight, and my co-host here is about six six. So <laughs> I feel your pain. Listen, I'm just a little dog named Tippy. Don't don't be don't be afraid. We're good. Well, I would say the way that Scott introduces people, like I felt like Zach and I should have like basketball jerseys and like streamers coming out because I felt like I was running Bruce, out of the court when he was introducing. Bruce him. Buffer comes <laughs> out and, and introduce. He's, he's he's better than. Bruce Buffett, well, I, I hey, listen, I've had a couple people say they wish they had a run-through that they could go through, like a high school football game. Uh, yeah, yeah. So tell me, guys, a little bit about you two. I want to hear a little bit about you know, how we got in the industry, how the two of you became friends. Matt, if you want to go ahead and start, I want to hear, I want to hear a little bit about the, the beginnings of GNN Insurance. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. So Zach and I didn't know each other in college. I went to UVM. He went to UConn. Okay. And we graduated and both started working for Liberty Mutual. Okay. That was the first job out of college. We both found Liberty in different ways. But we both started at Liberty in their personal line sales department. I happened to be in Framingham, Massachusetts. It's about a half hour west of Boston. Zach was located right in the heart of Boston. We both started selling about, let's say, end of 2006 okay. after we graduated. And different, slightly different markets, but same and you know we're both in massachusetts and we both uh really uh, there was no replacement for work ethic and mm-hmm. we, we just worked our butts off and networked really well and found success through through those kind of elements we were good good in sales right off the bat zach i think in 2007 correct me if i'm wrong zach but zach was number one in the country at liberty mutual and i think i was number two or three and then we flip flop in 2008 kind of going back and forth so we had this like healthy competitive relationship but we didn't really know each other mm-hmm. we met uh actually we met from a, a co-worker, introduced us, said you guys might should get to know each other on a more personal level. We became friends, found out we both love Seinfeld, we both love golf. We we ended up, you know, kind of strike up in a relationship, and then you know, fast forward about a year, we, we were on a golf course together and decided we had the same long-term vision. We wanted to be independent agents. We wanted to offer choice. Uh, we wanted to build our own legacy and kind of bet on ourselves. Mm. So we decided to actually remember which hole it was. I was actually for the wrong hole. And Zach reminds me which was the right one, but his memory is 12 times better than mine. We met and we made a decision on one hole on a golf course that we were going to go into business together. And we started GNN Insurance, launching it in January 2010. Since that point in time, I assume that you're both going to say that was a wildly successful decision to make on a golf course. Yeah. I mean, I think that, you know, Matt summarized it really well. It was, you know, that decision and then a year and a half later we actually opened and launched so i think that's kind of been pretty standard for how matt and i do a lot of things is when we make a decision we're always going to take step one just to see how it feels but we're never going to make that big financial decision that kind of cripples our our agency or cripples our vision before we have taken a lot of small little steps to, to prove proof of concept so when you took this step one that we're talking about right now when you guys started, you were both still selling for Liberty Mutual. So you talked about a year and a half, uh, I believe it was a year and a half kind of process, and maybe that was in step one or before step one. But what, what was going on during that time period where you guys were, were getting ready to, to fly out of the, the nest, if you will, and, and go out on your own? What, what types of things were you doing during that time frame? Yeah. Step one was much more listening to our market and, mm-hmm. and making sure that our gut was correct. Our gut mm-hmm. was that, and, and then we're again, we're talking 2008. Right. Our gut was that the Massachusetts market, gonna, it was going to be unsuccessful to have only one company mm-hmm. long term. And so the decision to open up an insurance agency or, or be an entrepreneur, I mean, guys, 2008 entrepreneurship was not 
cool. Right. It was not a cool thing to do. Also, the insurance market in Massachusetts is completely different than everywhere else in the country, correct? Absolutely correct. There was It was managed competition. There was a lot of things going on. But most importantly, like when we opened up our insurance agency, it's not what we we're thinking about it. The people closest to us were like, you guys are making a lot of dough. What are you thinking? You know, and, and that's kind of how entrepreneurship was looked at. Now, anybody with an app is an entrepreneur. Right. And it's very different. It's a very mm-hmm. different landscape. So step one was really just, okay, Matt, let's sit down. Let's write a business plan. Let's talk to the SBA, the Small Business Association. Let's really kind of go through, can we get funding if we need it? We ended up not needing funding. But that was a big step because it forced Matt and I to actually physically write a business plan, right. which we never would have done. And, you know, doing little steps like that, kind of honing our vision and making sure it's accurate, getting everything in line that way if we needed funding. And then we, we talked to a lot of insurance carriers to seeing if we would get any fit. And the kind of funny thing is, I mean, Matt, correct me if I'm wrong, but 11 or 12 turned us down in a row. We didn't, we didn't get a <laughs> yeah. Bunch of no's. It was actually the one area we thought was going to be the easiest. We thought it was going to be really easy to find carriers to raise their hand and say, yeah, come on board. We'll appoint you because, you know, the production numbers were off the charts. And so we just figured that that was it. But they, at that time, there hadn't been any startups. There really hadn't been any scratch agencies in Massachusetts for 30, 40 years. I mean, really, literally, it was like a third, fourth generation only situation. And if you wanted to get into the industry, you had to buy an agency. No one wanted to bet on you because production itself didn't really matter. It was all profitability. And no one wanted to be the first one in the ring. So how did you get to that uh, so point of getting those appointments? We, we uh, I think I went on a lot of dates. No, I'm kidding. We finally convinced uh, one carrier after three or four uh, meetings that we were worth betting on. Mm-hmm. And the funny thing is, I think that he was no longer with the company like three or four weeks after he appointed us, <laughs> which was just kind of crazy timing because who would have known if he, he didn't appoint us. Once we got one, they had indicated like, hey, we need you guys to get the half a million in premium in the next year or two in order for you to bring on another carrier. We want to be your only, only one in the ring. You know, within three months, we hit it and we just brought on two more and then four more and then six more. We just keep kept on rolling uh, as we went. It was really just getting that first one was the hardest. And so let's fast forward to 2018 because it's, it's been a long time. It's been eight years. Where are you guys at now in terms of, how, you know, do you have multiple locations and, uh, you know, employees and that types, those types of things? Yeah, we could probably both chime in on this. I, I would say that we both now have beards. Um, <laughs> before it was very, very clean cut. We wore ties and yeah. beers and, and casual wear. Mm-hmm. We, you know, so we started from scratch. We're in a little shoebox of an office in Natick, Massachusetts. We had no employees, a lot of pizza, a lot of uh, whiskey, cheap whiskey. And we had one carrier, no clients, mm-hmm. and we just hustled. It was just networking and sales. That's how we started. Fast forward eight years, we got 30, a team of 35 uh, full-time employees. We've got a headquarters in Southboro, two satellite locations in Boston. Close to, if not just surpassed 10,000 clients. We have over 25 insurance companies. We were uh, last year honored by Inc. Magazine as one of the fastest growing privately held companies in America on the Inc. 5000 list. And Boston Business Journal ranked us one of the top places to work for in Massachusetts, uh, in addition to a number of insurance accolades. But those were our two kind of bigger national ones. And uh, that's kind of a snapshot of where we are now. Bradley and I just got finished last week. We came back from spending two full days with Chris Paradiso up in Connecticut. 
I can give you two guesses as to who I'm going to ask next year to come come see their agency, and I I don't even think you'll need two guesses. It'll probably only be one, but I, I definitely want to put on my calendar, guys. To, for the two hundred fifty thousand insurance agents that are listening to this podcast right now, one of the best pieces of advice I can give any insurance agent, captive or independent. Don't care who you're with. Don't care how long you've been there. Don't care how much Kool-Aid you've drank since you've been there. You need to pick a very good, solid, foundational agency that you feel like you can learn some things from. And at least once a year, go visit that agency or you know multiple agencies, but one per year, and see if you can't learn something new. And above and beyond that, the bonus plan here is to help you build relationships within the insurance industry. I know that a lot of captive agents just want to run around with whoever it is that they sell insurance for, but you need to build insurance relationships with other agencies, even ones that are outside of the, of the, the carrier that you may represent. And if you're an independent agent, it's even more important to build those relationships with guys like Matt and Zach and Chris Paradiso, and I could name a hundred other people that you need to go visit. You need to see how they're doing business. Now, with that said, guys, I, you talk about being fired up about my introduction. When I just heard that, what you just said, all the accolades and things that you mentioned about your agency, what I really wanted to do was flip this table over and go to the nearest airport and come up to your agency for about a week. Neither one of them are there, though. Well, exactly. Of course, you wouldn't be there, and I'd be sitting in the lobby. But that's okay. Um, I, I, I just, I'm so impressed with, with you know, what you've been able to build and the work ethic and the understanding of what you needed to do way back when to, hey, before we jump off the high dive into the deep water, let's build a plan. Let's see if this is going to work. Let's go through that before we just go, you know, rent some office space and open up an insurance agency. Very impressed with that. What's really interesting, what people need to understand is, and we, we're very clear about this in our videos, which I'm sure we'll get to later. But yeah, we will. The first five years, we were the only podcast or video or anything we'd be on was a sales tip hotline or something. Right. Like we were really good at sales for the first five years, terrible at leadership. And what we decided to do, so you made a really good point just now, which I loved and I agree with, about going to visit or virtually visit or just keep conversations with other agents to idea share and mastermind, which we do as well. But just as important, I don't understand why people don't invest in coaching more. I don't get it. And coaching to Matt and I is super important. So most importantly, they're outside the industry mm -hmm. and they're looking at it from a 10,000 foot perspective. I'm like, why would you do that as a business? That's really, that's what elevated Matt and I. So right. two and a half years ago, we were introduced to a coach who is, uh, was 39 years old at the time. And he was a consultant of a specific model called EOS, which we've mm -hmm. talked about many times before. And we implemented that model and that's the only reason why we're not in the office now. And that's the only reason why we don't, we personally don't answer emails. We don't answer phone calls. We don't sell insurance products. That's why Matt and I have elevated what we do. It's because we don't want to do that. It's not that that's not valuable. Mm -hmm. It's that for Matt and I, that's not us at our 10 out of 10 optimism performance um, at GNN. Right. Us at a 10 out of 10 is, is handling culture, strategy, vision. Working on the on business, track. not in the business. Yeah. 
Yeah, and it's it's easy to say that, but if you answer emails and if you sell exactly. insurance policies, you can't work on the business. No, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And I find myself getting pulled back in. You know, I have a small boutique agency that's you know under five million dollars in premium, and I find myself as the agency owner sometimes getting pulled back into the agency as far as in the business rather than on the business, and that's something that I need to work on. So, are you guys out doing consulting work and coaching work? work for insurance agencies. Is that some of what you do as well? And I think that segues into your business model a little bit. So if you want to start with that question and then kind of take off from there. Yes and no. Okay. We're hyper, hyper focused on our niche and we'll get into that in a second, but we're hyper, hyper focused in our niche because you can't be the best in the world at something if you don't spend almost all your energy, time and focus on that one thing. Agreed. And so if we realize that we could create a lot more revenue and income for ourselves, if we spent a lot of time coaching, we casually coach over a hundred insurance agents. We have calls every single week. 15, 20 minute calls with people across the country. We've been doing it for over a year now and we love it. We love investing in other people. We love seeing other people win. We love the appreciation and gratitude. We love the purpose, the meaning, everything like that. But we don't charge for it because if we charge for it, we'd gravitate more and more towards it and we do more and more of it. And if mm-hmm. we did, it would pull us away from our bullseye. Mm-hmm. And our bullseye is helping home buyers purchase real estate. Massachusetts and New England, that is our main focus. We are 100% all in on the real estate, loan officer, and attorney market. Those are our clients. So we focus on networking with them. We've been doing it for eight years. And when people are purchasing real estate, we want to be the go-to solution to help them insure their home and their auto and their umbrella. It's super clean cut. It's very simple. We don't get involved with complex commercial cases. We punt a lot of money opportunities because they fall outside our bullseye, but it allows us to grow vertically. It allowed us to insure a little over 5% of all the real estate transactions in Massachusetts in 2017 because we didn't say yes to anything else that, that would have earned us money. I think that's one area that's really, really challenging for entrepreneurs. And Zach and I are challenged with it all the time. Every day we have opportunities across our plate to earn income and make money in different directions. Take the agency directions, add supplemental options and and offerings, add departments, all kinds of stuff. Mm -hmm. And it really is hard to say no, but Mm -hmm. the more we say no, the faster we grow vertically. And insuring, you know, 60,000 homes being purchased in Massachusetts every year, if we can go from 5 to 10% of that that number, it's a massive win. We're growing in one year more than 60 agencies combined. Mm-hmm. And that's the power of focus. So, that's, so that's our model. Our model is personal lines, helping home buyers get to closing, right. and focused on that on that niche. So, if I took a pie chart of your time, your daily time, in terms of what I call business development for real estate agents, mortgage loan officers, and attorneys, real estate attorneys, how much of that pie chart, from a percentage basis, is the <laughs> the two of you actually out doing business development related to that? Can you rephrase the question? So, so you're saying like how much time do we spend business developing? Yeah. I mean, how much time are you out every day or every week or every month actually meeting with these three types of what you're referring to as your client? How much of your time is spent, you know, actually out business development wise with those, those types of people? 
what we used to do a lot of is nights, a lot of nights, weekends, like, you know, games and all that other stuff and entertaining. And where we really tried to shift primarily to is, is helping them grow their business, mm-hmm. which has shortened the amount of time necessarily to spend and spent much more, getting much more depth, not with. So Matt and I are really not trying to meet with 9,000 loan officers a year mm-hmm. and just trying to check it off the list because we're not going in selling anyone any, anything. We're distinctly going in to listen. And if there's a pain point, let's try to solve it together. Mm-hmm. If there's no pain point and they're great and they don't refer insurance and they don't really want to, well, what, why am I going to try to convince them to do it? Mm-hmm. There's no point. It's a lose-lose relationship. Business development, we probably spend about 40%, maybe mm-hmm. 35% mm-hmm. of our weekly time doing that. And that's because we probably spend about 25 to 30% of our time strategizing mm-hmm. and implementing new ideas. So it, it kind of falls closer to the 60 to 65% total, but the actual physical meeting is probably closer to 30, 35%. Would you agree, Matt? If you had to break down our day or our week three, four years ago, you could get 35 categories and divide them evenly between like 3% each. Everything and anything, we did all of it. And now I'd say if it has to do with culture, if it has to do with branding and social media and video, or it has to do with networking and building our networks and nurturing our networks, it's about a 33% split on each. We don't do any B2C work. We don't sell insurance. We don't manage really many of our team members whatsoever. We have managers in place that handle both the sales and service side of the business. And by having that infrastructure and that accountability within the organization and leadership teams that are built throughout the organization, it's allowed us to spend all of our time on high, high leverage activities, i.e. branding, social media, networking, and overall strategy. I think you've answered my question, and it and it's borderline brilliant. It's the Gary Vaynerchuk 5149. It sounds to me, and correct me if I'm wrong, but when you talk about focusing on real estate uh, agents, mortgage uh, loan officers, and attorneys, it's not you going out and soliciting business from those guys, which most insurance agents will say, oh, well, they never send me any business or they can only send me a little bit. It's more of you going out and assisting them on ways that you can help them grow their business, which is that 5149 I was just mentioning. And from that, you helping them, that organically brings business in the door for you guys. Once we determined that the home buying process was where we were going to focus all our energy on, right. it was natural to look at loan officers, real estate agents, and attorneys. Right? Right. These are the trusted advisors that help their clients get right. the closing. They're the ones that can refer. And once we realized that, or then we were like, okay, let's determine who would be best to spend our time with mm-hmm. and on. Mm-hmm. If there's a real estate agent who just got into the business and they're you know brand new, that's awesome. But maybe they do one or two transactions a year. We really spent a lot more of our time and effort on the loan office for example, that do 500 to 750 deals a year. Once we kind of identified that that was going to be our niche, that would be a focus. Well, we went out and we interviewed those people and we said, hey, like we want to meet you to find out how we can help before we can offer value that may or may not stick, may or may not resonate. And we learned through error. We learned through trial and error. The way we networked five, six, seven, eight years ago is a lot different than the last couple of years, but it still worked. Now it just works a lot more effectively because we're asking them Tell us about your process. Tell us about your systems. Tell us about where you get business. Tell us about what you'd want to do more of if you could. Tell us about what holds you back, what you hate the most, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And then we take that all that information and we create programs. We create systems that we can then turn around and give to them and say, hey, 
you told us that X, Y, and Z was your areas or opportunity or threats or, or you know pain points. Here's some value that actually was going to resonate. What do you think about it? Wow. We get their buy-in. We actually provide value that matters to them. And then that way, we're locking them in permanently. Sure. This isn't like a person that we have to take out for drinks at a, at a Celtics game every week mm-hmm. or every month right. to secure that and preserve that relationship. Does that right. make sense? Probably one of the best things I've ever heard on this podcast. I have a lot of friends that are real estate agents and loan officers. And when I go meet with a new real estate agent or a loan officer or another agent friend of mine does, there's always that one to two minutes of awkwardness where they're thinking, oh, this is just an insurance agent who's going to come hand me his card and say, hey, you know, send me some business like everybody does. What do you guys do, say, if anything, in the first 10 to 15 seconds or even before the appointment that separates yourself to say, hey, these guys are different? Bobble, uh, yeah, bobbleheads? The, is it bobbleheads? No, yeah, they give away bobbleheads to the to the. They, they have them made for the the real estate agent. Isn't that right, guys? Don't you have them? Don't you? Do yeah, them I'll, I'll let Zach. I'll let, I think Zach had something. Let him run with that, and he probably dovetail into the bobbleheads just to kind of you know allude to that. So we we do not like give bobbleheads in advance of the meeting. I'll get back to that, but. It's, it's more important to talk about what not to do than it is what to do, because our style is our style. But Matt and I's style works because we come off well in person. You might come off best in writing. It might not work for you. Do you know what I mean? You might come off best at a networking event. It might not work for you. So our strategy is specific to our strengths. When you take a look at what not to do, what you don't need to do is send a LinkedIn message or send an email <laughs> saying, I want to meet because I want to offer you value for 30 minutes over a coffee. Offering someone value should not take 30 minutes over a coffee. Offering someone value should take 30 seconds from an idea. And and you don't know if it's value. It's perceived value to you because you're offering it. You need to listen first. We very rarely describe ourselves as insurance agents. In fact, almost never. Matt and I don't carry business cards. We don't go about that kind of avenue because we label ourselves as entrepreneurs. And that's important because people lean forward and say, well, what do you do? And they, they ask a little bit more questions. Whereas you lead as an insurance agent, you're right. They're going to have a perceived notion or a perceived image of what you do mm-hmm. because there's so many bad insurance agents out there that kind of stereotype it. And you need to have a differentiating factor. So Matt and I are entrepreneurs. We're 100% invested in the real estate community. We have tons of experience and what incredible realtors and lenders do already out there. And we want to share an idea, share, and we want to make your business better because it's going to help us, clearly. And guys, true story, we do this for a lot of people who don't refer us. They refer their brother or their uncle or their sister or their wife. They refer a lot of people who are insurance agents, and we still help them grow their business. I guarantee most of your listeners would not do that. Mm. And that's the problem. That's the 5149. That's the real 5149 is when you you have to give without an expectation of return mm. or else you're really not giving. I didn't know I was going to have Gary on the show today. <laughs> so so I, I think yeah i think to add to that guys that if you ever have to tell someone how they can help you before they give you permission to do so or they ask you how can i help you right you've already lost right the whole point of listening and asking questions is to one determine really what matters to them mm-hmm. because some mortgage brokers are going to want introductions of realtors some are going to want you know referrals some are going to want social media help some are going to want system and process design some are going to want remote of, of the binder prize. Like, there's a lot of things that people care about, but you don't know until you don't ask, until you ask. And the second piece is that once you've asked, once you've 
really invested in listening and like finding out what matters to them, what's going to move the needle. And you've shown that the entire meeting, whether it's a 30 minute meeting or an hour or whatever it is, you're not asking anything about yourself. Just focus completely on them. They will either do what they'll do one of two things at the end of the meeting. They will turn and say, well, oh my God, like I've been talking about myself the entire time. Like, tell me about yourself. What can I do for you? Or they won't. And if they don't, they would have never referred in the first place. Right. If they do, you now have permission to say, well, I'd love it if you could try us on our next deal because of X, Y, and Z. Mm -hmm. Try us out. Proof is in the pudding. We'll show you why we're so special and we'll go from there. But if you if you ask, show them or ask how they can help you before they've basically given you permission to do so, you've already lost. So when you guys started this process and, and started implementing this uh, value first process that you have in place now through trial and error, did it kind of scare you a little bit to go in and you would you would have like a loan officer that would like explain something that they really needed and y'all were both looking at each other like, how the hell are we going to do this? Did y'all experience <laughs> some of that? We were pretty prepared. I mean, don't forget, we spent three and a half years at Liberty Mutual selling the same way. It was just a different vehicle. So we we perfected our process over time. But when we went all in on real estate, we're going to learn from some people that are some ideas that are totally abnormal. But we've built our entire team and systems based on their process. So we'll continue to do it. I mean, we're not big enough to any extent where we can't be nimble. And we're always willing to learn. We're like, we're both infinite learners. And so we, we really are curious, like, how do you do what you do? And what's so funny is like we had a meeting today and Matt and I are together at a lunch. We sat down and we listened to this guy talk and he's a very, very good producer. He does a lot of business and mortgages. And we both left so bored. <laughs> like we were like, man, like you are not interesting whatsoever. And one of the key factors was we realized that he gets over 60% of his business from current clients. That's a telltale sign for Matt and I, based on our model, that this might not be a great referral partner. They're not out networking as well. They're not out grinding. They're they're literally banking on refis and what have you. So we can kind of speak their language and we can develop a perfect niche in our industry based on what's really going to work. So, and, and and that's led to just massive success because we can fire referral partners quickly. Well, I've just had the most brilliant idea I've ever come up with in my entire life. Let's hear it. For me to create value for my potential prospects and my target markets that I want to go to, I'm going to create a 30-second introduction, <laughs> run run through introduction and email that to them before I even call them. Can you imagine? <laughs> they would just be like, I don't know who this uh, guy is, I, but I am going to call him I, right now. I cannot describe to everyone how much I hope he's being serious right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, that would be fantastic. But, and, hey, they would never forget me, would they, guys? They would never forget me. So, guys, let's, let's talk and, about bobbleheads. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We were kind of uh, coined in the industry, at least in New England. Oh, you guys are the Liberty guys. Like for three or four years after we started the agency, we found some success. We were growing and things were going well. And people would still refer to us as the Liberty guys. And it really kind of got under our skin. It's mm-hmm. like, oh, his name's Zach. I'm Matt. We own GNN now. We used to work for Liberty, but thanks anyways. And then it's funny. We're now known as the Bobblehead guys. And it's all because of a fun little shtick that we started with that now has turned into something much bigger. But all uh, our wives on our one-year anniversary 2011 uh we hadn't take, taken a penny in income for the first year and we reinvested in the company we were i think they were lo- looking to give us a little, little bit of a pump up and so they purchased custom bobbleheads of ourselves 
I think it was actually Kristen, Zach's wife, who came up with the idea and gave it to us as like, hey guys, congratulations on your one year. And, and we were like, wow, these are identical to us. And so we put them up on our desk. And for the first, I would say, first few months, people would come in and did one or two reactions and they'd be really impressed. Like, wow, how do I get one? Or they'd be really weirded out. Either way, they were talking about it. And there was, you know, some emotion around that. And so we fast forward like another year, I think it was like two, end of 2012, maybe Zach, maybe early 2013, we, we decided to go all in and start making our partners, our referral partners, our real attorneys and loan officers into their very own bobblehead as a thank you for doing business. So we don't do calendars. We've never done pens. We've never done sponge balls or any kind of you know random thing that's either going to be thrown away or not, not really perceive any value. We make custom bobbleheads, and they're more expensive than most gifts, but there's something that no one will ever throw away because it's of themselves, and, and a lot of these people like themselves. And they're they might even put it on their desk. They all do. Yeah, or they take it home and their kid plays with it, but either way, they take photos of it. They post it on Facebook and Instagram, and everyone that they know in their network says, oh my God, you're, you know you finally made it when, and how do I become one? Right. And it's just been a great way for us to kind of brand around something that's fun, that's light, that's it's, it's just we, it's enjoyable, it's creative. And we've made over a thousand bobbleheads of our partners over the last six years. How do you guys feel when someone knocks it off and steals your idea? Oh, it's fantastic. Go for it. Giving the bobbleheads, guys, is the least amount of value. Right. It's, what you, it's what you do after. So in the beginning, we made 50 bobbleheads for 50 people we didn't know, and that went really poorly. Uh, so we, have, we, we perfected the strategy. Like they were like, this is super creepy. You woodenized me and I've never met you. Uh, (laughs) That didn't, that didn't go well. Uh, but you know, what what Matt and I have done now is the bobblehead is a throw in after we've already had a really successful relationship. Right. Like we have a lot of other techniques that are working really well. We're known as the bobblehead guys and we continue to be, and it's an awesome brand and it's, we're all in on it and it's super important to what we do. But the actual bobblehead now has become less important. It's become more of a brand than it has been the, the actual physical thing. If it makes you feel better, I didn't know anything about the bobbleheads, and I knew about you guys. And I think it was actually Paradiso that said, yeah, they have these bobbleheads of themselves, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> well, the, you know, the bobblehead before you meet somebody's creepy, the bobblehead after you build that relationship is, is funny. It's cute, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, guys, don't forget in the beginning, we were doing this a little bit before social media was as big as it is now. Right. And we had to like take pictures of people when we met them, which was super creepy. But now at least we can creep them out on Facebook and Instagram and make it happen. Right. Yeah. But back, back then they're thinking, how in the world did they get my face? Right. Do you put anything on the bobblehead that says it's from your you know, GNN <laughs> or anything like that? Well, for the first three years we, we made them, we didn't. We just like just didn't. It's right. Just, yeah, it's like two guys that are sales and networking guys, not necessarily like the best strategic marketers. <laughs> and so we, we made these like awesome killer hundred dollar a piece bobbleheads like really custom and people are really appreciative and then we realized like oh my god we don't put anything about gnn on them so about three three or four years ago we started putting little gnn stickers on the on the base right and uh and and you know it, it's it's fun this is a fun thing it inspired a lot of other ideas and we kind of leveraged that branding tool it's much more as zach said perfectly it's much more of a branding tool than mm-hmm. it is uh, and it sounds like a, a fun club mm-hmm. that, that the community in Massachusetts, are, if you're in the real estate community, can be a part of. And that's that's kind of cool. It's an inclusive sort of or exclusive kind of club. It's inspired Bobble On, which is our video series that we host uh, on a weekly basis. And a lot of the content that we put out there 
features all these partners and uh, and bobbleheads. Go into that a little bit because I actually showed Scott some of your videos this morning, and the, it's this high quality of a vlog as you're going to see. So you're shooting these these vlogs, and I was very impressed. It had that Gary Vaynerchuk quality to it. Uh, let, let's talk a little bit to these agents out there about you know how you guys do that. Do you have have a videographer? Uh, you might even want to talk a little bit about the equipment you use. I'd, I'd love to know a lot more about that. Guys, again, step one before step 19. Right. Step one is you take an iPhone out and <laughs> right. Matt and I make some creepy weird videos and right. move on. That's what we did for like six months. This was not supposed to be a vlog. This was, hey, man, it's, it's 2016. Like, let's get a little bit into Facebook video. And we right. did it for about a full nine months. And then Matt and I were huddling one day and we're like, you know, really like this Gary Vaynerchuk guy. Like, let's put a couple of feelers out there. And we have, we have a partner of ours who's a photographer. And we just asked her if she'd take a risk with us. And she hired a videographer. And yada 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 fast forward now that videographer is on our team and he's our employee and that is when it really has elevated is because now he just films all the time and we get to highlight our team we get to highlight just random moments that matt and i didn't realize matt like that was a really good piece you said i wish oh we don't have to write it down because we're on camera that's (laughs) awesome like that's it's so much easier guys because the amount of conversations you have that the other person gets a lot of value you don't realize how much value you're contributing to another person but when you start filming it and you start putting it out there and people start dming you i mean we get like dozens and dozens and dozens of dms a week hey matt can i get five minutes of your time like I, that was such a cool thing you did at worcester state you know stuff like that happens all the time and it's it's really it's given us confidence to keep going it's evolved and it evolves quickly the videos that we used to do versus the videos we do now they're a little bit more there's a little bit more cerebral effort that goes into the content behind this mm-hmm. because we're like okay really what what is the identity that we want to have here what's sure. the purpose what's our audience all these questions that just don't ask yourself or really have a opportunity to too early and a lot of times it's going to stunt your growth or even allow you to start we were speaking actually with gary vanichuk and a bunch of people down at asian 2021 in miami earlier this year and we vlogged the entire thing it's one of our episodes but we wouldn't have had that opportunity without the vlog we met with ryan sirhan from bravo tv's million dollar listing in his office a few weeks back or a month ago in manhattan we wouldn't have had that opportunity without the vlog with vayner media and a whole list of different things but we don't focus on insurance and that's a huge, huge point we want to make here. If for anyone out there who's getting into video or getting thinking about video, you have to consider the type of content that you're putting out there. What platforms are you using and who is your audience? If, if you're talking about insurance, the audience is very specific and they're not probably going to be on Facebook and Instagram. If you have a YouTube channel that's like super specific to helping people learn about insurance, well, good luck getting to 12 people subscribing. Right. But if you do, that's going to be the audience you can talk to. So for us, we don't talk about insurance. We talk about entrepreneurship. We talk about our partnership. We highlight our team, our culture. We highlight our partners, our referral partners. We go from university to university to university and invest in the students. We do presentations and seminars for real estate agencies and talk about social media tactics. So it's really about the entrepreneurial journey and the strength and uniqueness of our partnership and friendship that we want to highlight. Because if the content isn't educational or motivational, inspirational or entertaining, it's not something we're going to put out there. And that's, I think, a lot of the videos that are out there, a lot of the content that's put out there from the insurance community is still of insurance and no one really cares. That's such good advice. Absolutely. And that's something 
something that I've been guilty of is I've posted a lot of videos that are short form, 60 second videos where I try to just very quickly give like some real brief insurance tip or something that's like, uh, you know, hey, if you do this, this is what this is called in the insurance business or something like that. And you're right. I mean, people just don't care. <laughs> they would rather yeah. watch me. They would rather watch me do just about anything than talk about insurance. Dude, I mean, for your videos, just live by this code. Right. No one cares about how you make your money. Nobody cares. I mean, what what they care about is why you do it. And and we think about that a lot. If we if we talk about the why, people are like Matt, that is so interesting. I need to grab five of your time because I want to do that in my business. Right. But if you talk about, hey guys, a good tip is to increase your deductibles to five hundred to a thousand. Right, guys, is anyone there? Hello? <laughs> exactly. Like, it's just it's boring. All the insurance agents that are out there listening to this podcast right now, guys, listen to me. Stop talking about insurance. I am guilty as charged, and I am promise you that I am going to stop doing that as well because unfortunately, and I hate I hate this is the case because I love being educational and teaching people about insurance, but you guys are exactly one thousand percent correct. I think. You're right. You're right on the money. Well, and, I, and I think it's okay to, to sprinkle in a few educational videos, but I think the, the broader picture is, is you need to get away from that a little bit. And it's the same thing we did, you know, the conversation that Scott and I had when we wanted to do a podcast. The, the first initial thought was, okay, we're going to do this for the consumer. And then it's like, well, we're, we're going to have one listener, two <laughs> yeah. listeners, and it's going to be our moms. Yeah, right. So, yep. right. so yeah. Well, let's, let's do yeah. this for the insurance community, which is actually – helped us gain a little bit of leverage because Scott and I have absolutely no programs to sell. We have nothing for people to subscribe to other than the podcast itself. There's no ulterior motive here other than just, number one, helping the insurance community, and number two, bringing everybody a little bit closer together. I love you, Bradley. And guys, don't get us wrong. We have 40 to 50 videos of our team answering the most common questions on video, like answering the most common insurance question. We, we have that stockpiled. We have the 50 most common questions answered by our team mm-hmm. individually in 60 second clips professionally done, right. but you'll never see it. We're right. never going to show it unless you're a client who asks about the topic, then right. they're actually interested. And then we send it to them. So they're impressed with the delivery. Yeah, exactly. And, and like Matt said, just to clarify it, guys, it's about the platform you're talking on. If you want to, if you want to talk on LinkedIn about insurance specifics, you might get more attraction. If you talk about it on Instagram, you're wasting your time. You're you're absolutely wasting your time because what? Beyonce in a swimsuit is way more interesting than that. You're right. And so, so just, what, what, if you're on Facebook, what what do you think people? What have you guys found that just the the videos that you guys do of you together out in the community or talking with each other is that kind of worked well for you on the Facebook platform? Yeah, it, it has, guys. You know, platform, platform, platform. Mm-hmm. So the, the Babylon vlog that Matt and I do, we do that on YouTube and Facebook because mm-hmm. that's applicable because it has transformed into a little bit more humorous right. and a little bit more of our partnership and our entrepreneurship. So that can cross platforms. Mm-hmm. But like Matt said, on our website, we don't put that there because that's not applicable. On our website, we put the things that Matt just talked about because if you're visiting our physical website, you're likely already a client in right. that spot and you hit the resources tab if you hit the resources tab and you get matt and moly drinking a beer it's not going to go over well sure absolutely Uh, but so yeah we we house it on facebook and we love it there because that's where facebook is just super great for watching 15 minute videos you'll Mm -hmm. do that on facebook you will not 
be able to do that on a website. You're going to get bored and you're going to look at your phone. And, and and just to piggyback 10 seconds on that, Zach always talks about this, but it's more about engagement than anything else. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the content that we put out there, they're videos of other people. They're videos strategically. They're videos of our realtor or loan officer partners and they're of them being themselves and asking our audience questions that could be like nothing to do with real estate. But what happens is they ask that, we promote it, we're investing in their branding, period, with our entire audience. Mm-hmm. But more so, we get their audience because they share it. They, sure. They're highlighted in it. And then we get their audience to start following us and we cross-pollinate. Tons of engagement. And that's really the, the meat of the content that we like to put out there. Man, I love it. Guys, y'all have done such a great job today. Bradley, I think we're going to wrap this thing up now. So, Matt, Zach, I just want to tell you again, I cannot tell you enough how much I appreciate you being here with us today. I look forward to getting to know both of you better. I, get, I look forward to building a relationship with you guys. I think I could learn a lot from both of you. I was super duper excited about having you on the show. And for our listening audience, guys, remember what I always say. Rewards come from action, not discussion. Get your ass out there today and go sell something for you and your family. Write good business for the agency that you represent. Write good business for the company that you represent. Bradley Flowers, have a great week, my brother. Thanks, Scott. Thanks, right. guys. Yes, sir. And Thanks, re- guys. And remember. Thank you. Yes, sir. You remember, you're listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Insurance Guys podcast. If you need to know more about me or you need to get in touch with Scott, you can always reach me at theinsuranceguyonline.com or email me at iprotectins at gmail.com. And if you need to get in touch with Mr. Bradley Flowers, go to bradleyflowersinsurance.com or email him at bradley at sarahlandinsurance.com. Guys, we love you. Thank you so much for listening. We look forward to being with you again real soon on the next episode of the Insurance Guys. Take care.